Hello and welcome to the Yoko Pono podcast. My name's Callum. Our regular listeners will no doubt have noticed that we haven't put up an episode for the past couple of weeks. That is because we are currently knee-deep in recording our second album, which is going very well, but taking a lot of time. Putting one of these podcast episodes together typically takes an entire day. It's no small feat, so to juggle that with something as involved as recording an album is, yes, not easy. So we're going to be putting out a slightly shorter format version of the podcast for the next wee while. Having said that, I can guarantee that it'll continue. We've got lots of great interviews with really interesting musicians recorded, and we're also going to start doing a regular segment where we give you an update on the progress of our new album. Although I have to say, if this week's is anything to go by, it'll probably be low on music and heavy on uh, weird chat. Anyway, some serious news first. Regular listeners will no doubt be anxious to find out what had happened to my co-host Lissa. Um, You may recall that she had, at last report, been mistaken for a famous jewel thief by the police and was languishing in jail. Well, I'm happy to report that she successfully escaped from jail, uh, disguised as one of the prison guards and is now currently on the run somewhere. Um, So we couldn't get her into the studio because we're being watched night and day by the police. Anyway, moving on. Our first guests this week are an electronic duo based here in Edinburgh who go by the name of Post Coal Prom Queen. With a name as good as that, I don't really think they need any introduction. So here they are in their own words. Enjoy. We are Post Call Prom Queen. I am Lily Hyam, and this is Gordon Johnston. Well coordinated there. Oh, but you could tell what I was thinking. I do all the arrangements and synths and uh, sort of stand there pretending I'm playing stuff. Yeah, um, I sing, I play some instruments and do some of the songwriting as well. We split songwriting quite evenly. How did you each first get into music? I think I started making music when I was about like 14, I think. We just had an old guitar. I think this is like the common story, right? Kid finds guitar, becomes massive pop star. <laughs> yeah, and I just uh, I started playing around with it. And I think I was making songs up more than I was learning songs. I like listening to music and stuff as well. But for some reason, I, I just liked making songs up. Actually, I think I've always been making songs up. I remember I had a friend in primary school and we used to at break times, just like make up a song about, you know, the kind of thing that children like to sing about, like farm animals or whatever. Um, so we just make songs up and then, yeah, got a guitar, continued doing it. Um, I think that was the start. And then I didn't do any for a long time because I didn't really have the confidence in my songwriting or performing. And then I felt a bit better as I got older and it helped working with Gordon because we could both have our different skills come together and it just worked so I felt a lot better about it because it just sounded right. Fairly similar story I got into uh, playing guitar when I was about 14 or 15 uh, then I started playing piano as well and I realized that I was just absolutely shite at both of them Uh, like really 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 bad so I sort of picked up and faffed about for a little while but it wasn't until I discovered electronic music where you don't have to be able to be a good musician to make good noises. And that's when it really changed for me. Uh, that's when I realized that 
I too can be in a band. And it wasn't really until I met Lily that we tried to, you know, just make some little tunes together and didn't really have any idea what we were doing. But it was it was instantly a lot of fun and we got on so well that it's the first thing that I've tried and failed at that I've wanted to stick with. You know, I'm I'm a big one for trying something new. And if I'm not immediately good at it, I'll never look at it again. Whereas the first time I opened up Garage Band and my laptop crashed and I cried for a little bit, I thought, right, I'm going to try again. And that that was amazing. You know, that's when I knew that we were onto something. What helped so much is that it was fun. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't just fun, like, playing around with music compositions. It was also the subjects we wanted to write songs about were fun. Like, we were, we were both... Uh, like big sci-fi fans, speculative fiction fans. And it's one of the things we talked a lot about when we met each other in our jobs. Um, and so it was fun to like combine music with like science fiction stories that we'd read or like things like that. And that did make it more fun because it wasn't just serious music stuff. It was stories as well. Because you're, you're, you, you were initially called L-Space, right? Which is a, a Terry Pratchett reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And that was, uh, we we were struggling to come up with the name and then uh, we'd settled on Elspace. We weren't sure, but then I got drunk and bought the domain name and that was us locked in. So <laughs> we, were, uh, we can't change it now, so we have to stick with it. So, um, yeah, I remember that moment you texted me saying, what about the name, name Elspace? And I think I was in bed falling asleep and I just went, yeah, that's good. Next day, <laughs> it's too late to <laughs> talk about it anymore. <laughs> I did. I did like it though. I don't uh, buy domain names while I'm drinking anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this was very science fiction-y themed. We've kind of toned that down quite a bit now. Uh, the last Elspace album was about late stage capitalism and now the PCBQ stuff is more about environmentalism and looking to the future again. So mm-hmm. yeah, anything that avoids having to deal with the present, you know, we tend to write about. <laughs> How did you guys meet and start making music together? We used to work at for a charity in Edinburgh and uh, the, the wages were not fantastic and I snuck around to a little uh, corner one day to glue my shoes back together because uh, they'd fallen apart and I found Lily doing the same and that was a really nice bonding moment. Um, oh. oh good joke. <laughs> um, yeah and then we just yeah, so we started talking about books and uh, cuttlefish and pigs in space and you know all that sort of stuff. And, um, of course yeah. Yeah, uh, it just kind of grew from there, really. Having glued your shoes back together, why why electronic music? Why did you take that route? Um, I think it's probably a lot to do with our influences. I was really into uh, LP at the time. I still am, but I just really discovered his music, kind of a lot of hip-hop production, you know, LP and Aesop rock. And um, I'd never really thought about how to make that kind of noise before, so I started to explore it a little bit. And... Um, we got a little, a little a MIDI keyboard thing. It was like eight keys long and it was absolutely useless and the cable didn't work. And um, But it really grew from there. It was just um, taking that initial step of Googling, how do I make electronic music? And just putting my guitar away, which had been the best thing I ever did. I think also it's quite good that um, it's a very flexible type of music because you can make any any sound. I mean, not literally any sound. It won't sound exactly the same as a non-electronic thing. But you can approximate pretty much any sound, um, which feels very freeing. Um, So you can go from one second you're playing a piano to playing a cello to playing something that sounds like you're in a Mario video game. 
Um, I like that you can just jump around between different things and try and make them fit together. And with that, you can do quite a lot of like world building and like, yeah, sound exploration. I think the world building is a really important part of it. We couldn't make the kind of music that we would love if we were restricted by what we could actually play and at the time afford. You know, we couldn't didn't have the money to go and get a violin and learn it or a cello or, you know, any of the other sounds we've used over the years. Um, electronic music is a welcoming genre for anybody who wants to get started. You know, there's very little barrier to entry, which I think is why we were drawn to it initially. And then it turned out to be exactly what we wanted to do. You can even make it on your phone. Like if you don't have a computer, you yeah. you at least as, as long as you've got like a phone and a, maybe even things like Game Boys and things like that, there's you can make music on. Like Lily said, we tend to write about stories and about ideas. And if we were constrained by, you know, acoustic instruments, it wouldn't really be the same. And I don't think it would be as impactful just for what we do, you know. Um, and it's definitely, definitely about escapism, I think. We both read a lot of sci-fi and speculative fiction. But like, it's like any sci-fi, it's always a, a reflection of the present. There's always social commentary, whether it's obvious or not. Yeah, so the, the subjects of the songs match the, the freeing nature of electronic music. You recently became Post-Cole Prom Queen, which is just a fantastic name. How did the name come about? It was um, from an article we found in The Guardian. Oh, I don't remember the photographer's name. It was about a photographer that went to towns in Romania that used to have their main income from coal industry. And when those industries started declining, the towns also did but it's about the young people in those towns still having that kind of like young people life, but in that post-cold socio-economic downturn situation, but still trying to make most out of it. I lived in Romania for a while, you know, a long time ago, and um, I always found it a really fascinating country. And that article is a nice collection of words and the whole idea of trying to find a little bit of, you know, glamour and glitz amidst a pretty dire social situation that kind of spoke to us about what we, what we wanted to do and you know, how we wanted to make music. What are you writing songs about now? Well, for the EP that's coming out at the end of April, um, there's a lot of environmental issues and there's a song about futuristic agricultural practices and how that might lead to a post-scarcity society. So you can tell it's going to be like feel-good bops for the summer. Um, uh, and there's... I think they are, they are about the anxiety of trying to live a, a, nor, a relatively normal life when you're dealing with existential threats. And this was before um, uh, the pandemic. You know, we wrote most of these before then. Uh, it just so happens that they're very, very apt now in the worst possible way. Um, and it is, it's a weird feeling, like when you're, before the pandemic, like you're just counting about having your, having your life, you know, going to your job and like the planet's, dying around you but you know still need to work you know and still play gigs and you still make music even though it could all come crashing down around us before we're dead mm -hmm. bleak uh accurate <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think um we're writing quite a lot about that and um we're doing a lot of collaborations as well so i think we'll probably do, end up doing some more well some less serious stuff in the not too distant future what have you got coming up in the immediate future before everything finally burns down? What can we look <laughs> forward to from Post-Troll Prom Queen? So we've got the EP coming out at the end of April and we've got some really cool plans to launch it 
but we can't tell anybody yet because it's very much dependent on um, lockdown restrictions being lifted. But we're working with uh, the Hidden Door Festival and uh, we've got some really cool things planned and I really hope that they all happen. And assuming that the world doesn't end and that we're all allowed to travel again, we'll reschedule our um, shows for London and Tokyo that we had to cancel last year and uh, just generally get back to it. Oh, I'm working on an album. We've got, I think, two or three EPs planned as well. There's a cyberpunk a hip hop EP coming out uh, in the distant future. Um, so there's loads, actually. Did I miss anything, Lily? Collaboration EP with Japanese band. Oh, yeah. EP with Macaroon as well. Uh, We've done be- two collaborative songs with them already, which you can hear. Um, they're out in the world. Uh, they're called Body of Water and Zor. And they were so fun to work on. They're so talented and it's it's just really fun and interesting to work with them. So we want to make it into a, a full EP because I feel like it deserves to have a little enclosing nutshell around the, mm. the songs to keep them cosy. So you, those, that, gig in, that gig in Tokyo, sorry, I assumed that it was a joke, but it isn't a joke, is it? Oh, no, that's actually... <laughs> <laughs> we, we had four gigs in Tokyo lined up for last April and we've had to postpone them. So it, it might end up being... April 2022 before we go I don't we don't know yet but um we're doing some other gigs with other festivals that we're having to get creative with and just generally doing what we can when we can you know just fitting everything in around the state of the world but I'm, I'm glad that we still managed to we're still creating things I think that's just to finish up could you please uh choose a song of yours to play the latest single which was released at the end of January is called Salt and it's about sea levels rising and it's told from a kind of like dreamy, naive perspective of a young person that doesn't really fully understand what's happening, but their home and their, their land is being overtaken by sea levels rising. Here's Salt by Post-Cold Brown Queen. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having us. You can catch up with the wonderful post Cool Prom Queen on Facebook and Instagram and also Twitter. Their music is available from various places and yeah, go check them out. They're, they're really great. I like them a lot. Next up in this shorter episode, we have an interview with the good people of the Microband. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Microband have been a sort of fixture on the underground scene in Edinburgh and further afield for a good few years now. But they have recently branched out and set up a record label under the name New Teeth. We caught up with the guys from the band to find out more about their new venture. My name is Sam. My name's Daniel. My name is Alex. And my name's Lucy, and I live with these people. <laughs> and they are terrible influences on my life. Um, apart from the music side of things. All right, Sam, uh, explain a bit about New Teeth, what we're doing. Okay, so New Teeth is a project that's kind of come to fruition, I guess, in the past couple of months, accelerated by the pandemic this year. It's something we've always talked about. Essentially, we, I feel we are surrounded by a really strong and creative community down in Leith, and which was centered around uh, the bars up within Leith Walk. We had, we'd all meet up in like Leith Depot and Mousetrap um, and play lots of music weekly. We play music at the pit and we have a good community kind of in the Scottish festival circuit as well. So without all of that, it's essentially just a banner for all of us to march under and release music together. Um, 
pull together resources and I guess approach stuff in an official manner, if that makes sense. Where did the idea come from? You said you've been like sort of thinking about it for a while. Um, I remember you speaking about it years ago, Sam. Uh, me and Sam like worked together in a uh, record shop <laughs> in Stockbridge. Um, it's like an Oxfam record shop, and sure. we talk about it a lot in there. And basically, Sam said to me years ago, anyway, that he was sort of influenced by the music scene in Vancouver because he'd spent some time living there, and he felt like it was very similar to Edinburgh, but people were doing more in Vancouver. They were kind of setting up their own record labels. They were putting on their own gigs, doing their own thing. And he felt like that could happen more here. And the community of musicians that were here weren't doing enough mm. to kind of bring it all together. I'd, I'd add to that and say that Leith definitely, like out with Edinburgh or alongside Edinburgh, Leith has more of that energy, mm. but isn't necessarily being utilised in the way that it should be. And especially in, like Sam says, just like making it seem a little bit more official by putting a name on it um, is a good way. A lot of it's kind of already, a lot of the actual network's already there, mm -hmm. um, but it needs to be given a little cattle prod. It's about, it's, I think the main reason behind it is pooling resources and approaching things the way things should be approached. So I know a lot of musicians we will probably work with don't want to have an Instagram page, don't want to have to deal with Bandcamp, that sort of thing. They just want to play their music. So if if we can, if we are doing that as the micro band anyway, and we're going down these avenues and trying to make connections, we may as well, you know, assist people and we can learn from them. And Sure. That's a really great idea. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're hoping to do just in the immediate future? Oh, we've got plenty of plans. We've got, we're scheming away here. <laughs> uh, so Sam has been a big driving force. Essentially, we've got at the moment three digital releases lined up. Is this as the microband? So the first one is a microband track, which is our newest single. And then it is Dan Solo. Yes. Dan Solo record, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just got AstroTurf Inspector. And then we've got Mike, uh, who plays keys and percussion stuff in the microband. He's got a release under Earfather, which is... Uh, He's released stuff in the past, and Alex is singing on that. Yeah, so it's it's sort of a collaborative effort. But it's more, yeah, so Earfather is his, which is an awesome producer sort of. Uh, sure, it's his, it's his um, live house music thing, right? Yeah, and then he has Ben, who plays live drums with him when when we can play live, and it's amazing. So we've got those three; they're all lined up. Kind of got a lot of stuff in the works with like Iona Lee's got like a sort of solo thing. Maranta, we're possibly releasing. Um, and there's a few other, I've got solo thing. I don't, we don't want to make it all stuff with microband people in it. You know, it needs to be, so we're trying to get as many people as possible. It is quite, I think the reason we started this was because, you know, it, even in amongst the micro group and our close friends, there's a lot of music already existing that a lot of people aren't doing a lot with that we think is good enough to be put out there. But, um, following the official channels of, getting everything ready, doing a press release is quite tiresome. Sure. And so a lot of music gets lost along the way. But what we've also found is as soon as we kind of announced we're doing this and told people, lots of people are coming to us and being like that we would love 
to get involved, which is really nice because that's what it's about. It's about opening up and building the community. Nice one. So are you taking submissions? Where can, where can people send you their music? Uh, newteethleaf at gmail.com. Cool. Okay, nice one. Where can people go and look at what you're up to? Any social media platform that induces anxiety, we are all set up and ready to go. Instagram, Facebook. We don't have Twitter there, do we? We don't have Twitter. If you could pick a tune of yours and tell us a wee bit about it, we'll play it to finish the interview. Minute to Morn is off our last EP, the Numa Soma Sarks EP. We recorded it down with our friend at Abbey Road Studios. Oh, wow. We'd like die happy once that happened. It was incredible. The song... It's all acoustic. It's all acoustic, yeah. The, I guess the lyrical content is quite interesting. Yeah. The, the lyrics are all about uh, me and uh, my girlfriend, Ginny. We were coming back from Sky. We stayed in this old man's house and he told us about his like grandmother. There was a shipwreck on off the coast and she rode out in her little rowboat and saved all these men who were stuck on the rocks or like were just drifting about and after the shipwreck. Okay. Uh, and so the song is about her story. So here's Minute to Morn by the Microband. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. You can follow New Teeth Leaf on Instagram and Facebook. Man, I enjoy saying that. New Teeth Leaf. As they said in the interview, they've got lots of really exciting stuff coming out and you should totally go and check it out. Anyway, back in Pono World, we're really busy recording our second album. Normally this would mean that we would all be sick of hanging out with each other now, but obviously with the pandemic and stuff it's been a little bit different. We can't meet face to face, we have a lot of regular meetings over Zoom, which means it's quite hard for us to show you what we've been up to because there's nothing less exciting than watching other people sit in front of a computer all day. So as a wee experiment we've decided to have a regular segment in the podcast for the next wee while where we tell you what we've been up to and chat nonsense. Actually, mostly it's just chatting nonsense. Anyway, if our nonsense appeals to you, please let us know. And in the meantime, here's Lewis on his weird broccoli-eating habits. So, Lewis, one of the things that we've been interested to learn about over the past couple of weeks is your weird broccoli-eating habits. Could you tell us a little bit about your your approach to broccoli and the, the way in which you choose to eat it? Uh, so many people buy the broccoli and uh, and only use only use the, the florets the, the sort of the canopy as you, if you will point out the reason that we're we're asking lewis about this is because when we called him the other week he said that he had to get away and cook some broccoli because the the florets were going off as he'd eat the entire stem first which seems seems kind of backwards well <laughs> the uh, i i have uh, I sort of uh, realised that I actually prefer the stem of the broccoli to the florets. Uh, the the stem is sort of crunchy and sort of juicy and delicious, uh, and the florets are just sort of bit sort of meh. Um, and I'd been I don't know even know what I was cooking some sort of sauteed vegetable mix and had decided that I wanted uh, I just wanted I just wanted the stem I couldn't be arsed with the florets so I just cut and diced the stem sorted it up, had it, it was very nice, and then sort of forgot about the florets and realised that I must be one of the very few people who've eaten 
the stem of the broccoli and not the florets. It's it is it is pretty odd now that you sort of sort of think about it. I mean, I'm I'm with you in the sense that I also eat the stem. I don't just munch a big stem and then. Well, I absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I was just cooking for myself, so after dicing the stem, I was like, oh, it's actually probably enough food for me. So that's, I think that's probably why I didn't just make a, an oversized portion of uh, stem and floric mix. I'm glad you said sautéed as well, because I, I assumed wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. yeah, I don't know if that's a comment on how I <laughs> perceive you. <laughs> Going through the bins. So how long have you been eating broccoli <laughs> like this? I don't remember exactly when I sort of had the revelation, as surely most uh, adult broccoli eaters must, that the stem is in fact both delicious and also just a, a weird piece that people throw away. It just seems irresponsible to, to not eat the stem. Uh, so I don't know when I had that revelation. Callum, I think you should. Ask our, I think you should ask our listeners to write in and tell us how they consume their broccoli. If anybody who listens to this has strong feelings on the subjects, I would encourage you to get in touch, but. Be, be aware that you may be open to the, the level of quiet accepting ridicule that Lewis has just received. Adult broccoli revelation. Moving on, Gary, you've had computer problems this week. Yeah, they're not resolved. What happened? I think it was a combination of hoofing the hard drive full of too much stuff and not paying attention to how full it was. And then while recording, the amount of CPU that was being used, just the whole thing froze up. And then when I tried to restart it, Something's still running slowly in the background, and it's not really working. Even at the best of times, this would be a complete pain in the arse. But right now, when you know your your computer is your link to the outside world and the device which you're recording the album on, I mean, it must be it must be a pain in the arse, right? Yeah, more so for the album one. Like, you know, fair enough. I can get by doing Zoom calls messages on my phone which incidentally is also <laughs> overheating and crashing periodically so that'll be replaced soon too but yeah it's it's a bit of a pain in the ass coming up for the album especially tracks that i don't remember recording because it would be quite useful to go back and re-listen to the parts i did and remember in isolation which is why i was trying to delete stuff and salvage those files so if i can get it up and running without deleting those that'd be great if not, it isn't the end of the world, but I will lose all the stuff we did. Impress myself. Thank 
impress myself. Ali, I was wanting to talk to you about Ian Copeland's shed. Ah, uh, yeah, the uh, the ongoing construction. So over the past year while we've been working on this album, Ali and I have been in regular contact with Ian Copeland, who runs Sky Records and mixes and produces Yoko Pono. As we've been working on this project, Ian's also been building a new shed. He's usually in the middle of something, and he's usually just hurt himself. Yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it has some foundations and a floor, four walls, a roof, and I think one window uh, on the side where mm-hmm. people won't be, so that Ian has some peace and privacy. What, to, to waterboard people? Wow. Naturally. <laughs> Having said that, he has just put drainage um, in, so yeah, he can. the waterboarding can begin. <laughs> Maybe something for you to bear in mind, Lewis, as we finish the album off. And with that vague threat, we're going to draw this episode of the podcast to a close. A huge thank you to Postcode Prom Queen and New Teeth for chatting to us. Remember to hit subscribe if you haven't already. And please let us know what you think of the new segment. That's it from me. Cheers. Bye. This podcast was produced by me, Callum Cummins, on the sofa in my house.